Hey everybody, welcome back to Point of Origin, episode 68, the show where we're not going to make a joke about Nazis because Nazis aren't a fucking joke. No. Just, um, uh... Outside of maybe the ones in, in Indiana Jones movies? Apparently all the Nazi uniforms in the Indiana Jones movie are actually not costumes. They're all real SS uniforms. Somebody oh, found a, a warehouse full of them. Oh, damn. Yeah, so it's all authentic gear. They're all wearing real Nazi regalia, for better or for worse. Like, you I honestly what? don't know if that's a good thing or not. I mean, it's being used for something good for once in their life. <laughs> that's why we put that shit in museums, isn't it? It belongs in a museum. <laughs> Yeah, but that's also from a colonizer, so eh. yeah. That's yeah. That that is so funny that like I it's it's like his catchphrase, but it's like ooh, say that these days, and it's like, is it from your culture, it's like, sir? Yeah. <laughs> who, 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 whose museum? Yeah, because you notice every who's? time he says that, it's for some like Aboriginal or Indigenous. <laughs> it's like, are you sure, buddy? Are you sure? <laughs> That's kind of like the British uh, Museum having the pharaohs and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that whole line smacks a little different these days. Yeah, but just a you know. Much like this episode. This yeah. episode probably hit a Ooh. little hard back when it came Very... out, as it was meant to. But it definitely hits harder today, I think, considering how today the we're having to culture. remind yeah. how many people that Nazis are bad. I would not I have know. thought we would have to remind people today that Nazis are bad. I <laughs> just, uh, we should be mad about this today. We should still be mad about these things because they're Absolutely. horrifying mm -hmm. and they're still happening. Yeah. <laughs> like we are still on a constant cusp of performing yet another ethnic cleansing. So yeah, this episode, uh, this episode doesn't have a fucking joke because this topic, this, this topic isn't a fucking joke. It's just, no, no, it isn't just distressing uh. and unfortunately still ongoing. And on that lighthearted note, I'm Mel. <laughs> and I'm angry, as always. <laughs> uh, and I'm Liz. And today, we are covering Season 4, Episode 2, The Other Side, which was written by Brad Wright and directed by Peter DeLuise. It's been a while since we saw the man. Well, we're going to see him in uh, the opening... I saw. I noticed it, dude. I'm so proud. I noticed it before you told me. I was like, "Good job, it's Peter good job." Galloway's, well, isn't it? do you want to hear something really funny? What? His uh, future wife appears in this episode as well. His girlfriend plays. Uh, well, her her character's name is Farrell, but I I called her Ava this episode, and I'm sticking <laughs> with that. But yeah, Ava was played by his girlfriend uh, Anne Marie Lod Loder. I almost said Lodger. Nice, Anne Marie Loder. And yeah, they eventually got married, and I guess they're still married. Awesome. But that was it. Yeah. That was just, you know, part of that. No, that's, that's fun. Honestly, I think we should just get straight into this episode, because I'm sure we got a lot to talk about. Like, Brad Wright, we know Brad Wright's a dependable writer, and I don't think there's any huge missteps in the writing in this episode. There's definitely a plot that I think got completely dropped, but I do think it was probably dropped for time. There's no fucking way this wasn't on purpose. Like, this one thing that was happening, especially with the directing, it seemed so pointed. I'm like, there was definitely a plot here that had to get dropped for time or something. There's a lot of purposeful, purposefully omitted stuff in this episode. Like, for example, the entirety of the enemy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, th this thing is something that would have had to have been, like, actually talked about. This isn't something that can really stand as just an insinuation. So I genuinely think they just 
had to drop it, and I don't want to bring it up until it actually gets there. What I meant by that was that if they if they did end up doing that, they probably were like, well, we can we can blend that in thematically because there's a bunch yeah. of stuff that we're purposely leaving out. And they got away with it before for like the other episode that involved the Bedrosians and the Optricans. You'll notice yeah. that the Optricans didn't make an appearance in that episode. Exactly. Despite being such another a part reason of the story. that like they already dealt with that one, SG one, SGC as a whole should have been a little bit more wary after the Bedrosians and the Optricans. It's like you guys just went in there face first. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the weakest point of this episode is that it's season four and the military side of this equation um, in SGC does some kind of stupid things. For season four. It's like, you know better by now. Come on, guys. <laughs> I guess their uh, goal was to do a lot of homage, illusion, sorry, illusion type shit. Like, you know, yeah. the obvious one with the Nazis. Yeah, and then yeah. With, For example, our, our government has a bit of a controversial relationship with Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. You know, we're basically arms dealers to Saudi yep. Arabia because of the yep. mutually beneficial relationship, despite a lot of fundamental differences. Oh, yeah, there's, there's definitely... Like I said, I think the weakest part of this episode is that some of the um, military uh, characters in this episode should really know better by now, especially with some of the episodes that have already happened. But I get thematically what they're doing. They're very, very pointed and obvious about the theme of what they're doing. So I forgive it, honestly. Maybe if it hadn't been Brad Wright writing it, maybe if it had been one of the less uh, experienced writers or less... um, dependable writers i wouldn't be as forgiving but brad wright manages to make it not be too frustrating or ridiculous i would trust this plotline with brad wright robert c heather ash or robert c cooper those are the three writers so maybe terry curtis fox yeah maybe terry curtis fox terry curtis fox would have kept the plot line yes yeah, that his lore I would have got dropped terry yeah. curtis fox likes to shove everything in yeah he would have <laughs> traded something for his lore and i don't know if that would have been a good yeah, idea that's or not. that's the only i don't know if <laughs> yeah so like i, I think terry curtis him. fox does better with entirely planets of his creation better yeah and this Whereas one this wasn't really that original in, this was not yeah although was the other one with the fake military camp was that terry curtis fox i don't remember anymore god um hang on i gotta look that up because i feel like it was and if so then he would have actually handled this very well he did the prison right he did Linnea, right? He did the prison. Okay, yeah. So that was more. Of what um, I, was I, I genuinely curious. I'm genuinely curious to see who did that one. Uh, yeah, he did that one. Okay, no, he would have handled this. Yeah, he would have been fine. Okay, so Terry Curtis Fox is also on the list of writers that would have trusted with this yeah. plot. But we have Brad right? And he's, you know, he's the dependable uh, showrunner of this <laughs> show. So, so we start out with. Of course, one of the three ways that we start out every episode, there is an alert going on in the base uh, of off-world dialing, and there's some sort of signal trying to be sent through. It's obviously not any of their, like, IDC codes or any of that shit, but they're trying to decode it. Like, the, the frequency it's coming in on isn't coming through all the way, and they're struggling to, you know, figure it out. 
And um, uh, I do love the dialogue, though. Yeah, I, I I wrote down the dialogue. I I know you love the dialogue. I, it was Jack and Sam. <laughs> it was Jack and Sam, dude. I love all the dialogue. To be fair, like even Walter has like such a significant presence in this episode compared to his usual. Well, if you'll recall, Brad Wright is the guy you go to for the banter. And oh boy, okay. To be honest, there wasn't that much banter in this episode, which is fair because this is a heavy subject episode. You can't make it too lighthearted but dear lord did he have the marriage fight between jack and daniel in this yeah episode? so here's the thing he didn't do banter but the thing what's like the key component of banter quickness he had a lot of that quickness still in a lot of other shit like when there's the scene later where hammond goes okay why jack do they and want daniel it are about and to jack, have a divorce in this right? episode <laughs> I, I was thinking more of like a later scene where hammond says okay why do they want the heavy water and daniel immediately goes thank you thank, thank you. you for asking the question <laughs> yes. And that's that kind of stuff where it's that yes. quickness. It's it's yeah, 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 yeah. everything that is the heart of banter, but about a serious, exactly, yeah. done in a serious uh, way. But we do start out with banter because things haven't gotten heavy yet. Yeah, nothing's gone shitty yet. So Sam is telling Jack, who's just come in, like, hey, we've been getting uh, these dial-ins every hour and a half, and this is like the fourth one. And Jack's like, I'm here two hours early. How early did you get here? And she's like, I never left. And he's like, didn't I order you to get a life? And she goes, yes, sir, you did, but... <laughs> In my mind, he uh, was ordering her to get one with him. Obviously he was, but, you know, that's that's insinuated. He can't say it out, right? It's right? against regulations. It's, it's against the rules of fraternization. They can pine and that's it. <laughs> they can pine. But, yeah, uh, but they basically figure out, they manage to decipher um, the frequency enough that they can actually get the message that's being sent through. And it's like, a, it's clearly a message being sent to people that the people on the voice recording think have made it through the gate. And they're basically, like, they're reaching out to their quote-unquote kindred I on the other side. I love that choice of words, for help. Yeah, it's a very good, here's the thing, it's actually kind of a genius word choice considering the parallel with uh nazis we're gonna get here yeah because it's a german term kin that's genius i literally just thought of that as i was saying kindred i'm like that's actually fucking genius yeah it's very uh, similar to the word uh kinder which is german for children oh yeah wow okay <laughs> yeah right? i love how often that like one of the things i love about doing this whole project is that obviously we've both seen stargate You've seen more than me because I've, I've, I have this whole thing where it's like, if I don't watch it in order, I can't do it, you know? <laughs> um, but, like, just sitting down and watching it by itself when we know we're going to be talking about it, we already see more than we do to begin with. But then when we have to actually sit down and talk, we suddenly see even more things. It's really great. It's a, it's a wonderful exercise. But yeah, so we find out that uh, they, there have been three people sent through to die on the iris. Since Oops. they started dialing through. <laughs> nope, that's three less of the master race. Oh, well. Yeah, you can see Sam is already feeling guilty about that. And Jack rightfully is like, that's not your fault. <laughs> this is our defense system. This is keeping us alive. This isn't your fault that they keep sending people through when they're not getting, especially because they're not getting responses from their people. Send one person through. Did you get a response from them? No? Maybe don't send a second one through yet. Maybe? Maybe? But here's the thing, they're fucking cloning their dudes, they're dispendable, they don't care. Well, they're not cloning them, they're just genetically, they're, it's they're not, growing it's, them in labs. They're not growing them, those are people that were born, they just were genetically uh, chosen versus indiscriminate breeding. Here, I, 
is that true, really? Because she specifically calls them breeders, which made me think they're growing them. No, it's because they just fuck anybody. That's the whole point. It's more of an illusion thing to, like, the, um, I forgot which country it was in, but it was um, that breeding program that Germany ran during World War II, where there's a... Uh, the, the, okay. Remember that, that, that one of the singers in ABBA is actually a child of one of the women <laughs> oh, wow. that was unfortunately part of one of these eugenics programs. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know how willing they were, I can't remember that, but German soldiers were encouraged to breed with the women in the countries they were invading so they could create more Aryan children. It was really fucked up. And yeah. the lead singer of ABBA, one of the lead singers, she's a product of that. Not that she's at all, of course, you know, to blame for that no, or anything. No, no, no. <laughs> Not that her mom, I think. I don't know what the deal yeah, was with her mom. I don't know the details there. whatsoever. I could look it up, but I haven't. Anyway, yeah. the whole point was you find a good, proper white chick, and then you make another Aryan baby. It there was, you, you know, horrifying. But I'm guessing that's what they were trying to allude to, because that was the whole thing, was that the breeders just breed with literally anybody. That's why Jack has the line where he says, so they, oh, sorry, or Daniel has the line where he says, they come in all shapes and sizes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, see, I got from her calling them breeders, and then the entire fucking warehouse full of tubes of men. Well, no, actually, no, actually, no. I feel like there has to be something with genetically growing or cloning of some kind involved because they have a very pointed thing about when Jack is looking through the screens where he's like, they're all the same. Yeah, they're all Aryan. I know, but no, he doesn't, like, he makes it sound like they're all the same fucking person. I I get what you're going for. Maybe they shouldn't have had that room look like that because that definitely speaks to lab growing and clones. That big old warehouse full of two people. That was a poor visual choice then. Yeah, because there's a very pointed suggestion of what a visual like that is. And if there was no clones or lab growing, then they shouldn't have used that visual. So I, I actually mentioned this before in an episode. I think I cut it all out. Uh, one of my favorite movies that I, 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 I don't know if I'm embarrassed to say this or not. Uh, one of my favorite movies ever uh, is a movie called Barbarella. And it stars Jane Fonda in the 70s. Um, I highly encourage you to watch it. It is redonkulous it really is it, it's like 90 percent nudity and it's amazing it literally opens with jane fonda's tits as she gets undressed in zero g <laughs> she starts stripping out of her fucking spacesuit completely naked because that's what you do but, but the whole thing i'm getting at here is um in this future that she's from only the poor fuck literally they, they procreate through a completely different method now. And sex is literally, they put their fingers together and like uh, their palms together and they stand there while they get look real twitchy. And that's it. And only poor people actually fuck and breed that way. <laughs> so I kind of thought it was more like that's what they were kind of going with here, which is that they, you know, these uh, totally not Aryans are, <laughs> yeah. are uh, of the discriminate breeding type versus the running around in the mud kind. Okay, that's no, that's fair, and I, I, ex- I, I'm, I'm not arguing with you at all. No, no, they should have done it more like Barbarella, where she just full on explains it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, but they actually do a great job in this scene alone, just with like, cause there's not even like, yeah, Jack says like that's not your fault, obviously, blah blah blah, but then he like leaves, and it just the camera just kind of lingers on Sam, and you can see she's still sort of internalizing it as her fault. She's in the military, and that drives me crazy. But it's important to do, like, they do all of these little moments like this 
to make different members of SGC feel like they owe these people something. No, you are completely right. I didn't think about that until you said it. Uh, I do like that owing aspect where they're kind of like starting off on one foot. Yeah, because they started it with just the lingering on Sam, but then later on they like super double down on it where the dude even like tell like outlines it like, hey, you killed three of our fucking people, you know? Yeah. No, you're not like, wrong. No, you I killed like three of your fucking people. Three of your people fucking died, and that was gonna happen regardless, because you we're not- You are in a world where you claim there are unmanned drones, and you just sent a regular person through first without getting confirmation on the other side? Get the fuck out of here! That's your fault, my man. They have fucking Ender's Game technology with the You're not the, the only ships. one! Okay, cool, I'm glad I'm not the only one oh, who felt it was an oh, Ender's Game type mm. feel. There- <laughs> No, because of my experience with Ender's Game, because- Okay, here's the thing. I've mentioned this before. It's been long enough since I watched a lot of these episodes that if they weren't, like, my favorites because of, like, goofy shit, <laughs> I don't remember most of it. So a lot of the things where I'm coming in, I'm coming in with a fresh experience. So, like, all of the little, sus when they're planting little suspicious seeds, it's not me going, I know they're bad because I've already seen this episode. It's me picking up on those seeds. But because of my experience with Ender's Game, there was one scene where I'm like, nope, that's a lie. That's a fucking lie. You're lying right now. You're lying. <laughs> you know? But it's because of Ender's Game, not because I was just like, I know this is, <laughs> I know this is a trap. Uh, but yeah, so they're just planting the seeds really early with that. And they do oh, a good job of framing Sam in that scene, just with no dialogue to show that. Yes? I am wrong. I kept reading. Uranus are all from the same phenotype, which is where I stopped. And then <laughs> below it, past a comma, I read, ensuring the continuance and purity of their people through planned breeding and even through cloning. I am incorrect. Thank you. <laughs> Good job, you. But that just, honestly, that just reassures me because that was a very pointed visual. That was obviously cloning. Yeah, like, no, you're good. That, that warehouse with the tubes of people and then Jack looking through the computer being like, they're all the same. I'm like, that's obvious. They're saying cloning right there. Here's the thing. Yeah. That's why I was agreeing with you. Was like, I totally see what you're going for because I saw cloning. I just disregarded it completely. <laughs> I was like, no, they don't mean that. They mean the direct illusion, which uh -huh. the Nazis weren't interested in that. They did breeding programs. So I was totally stuck on that because I was just thinking about fucking ABBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, though, that does piss me off a little more because that means these people, before the war was done, before they had an end goal, before they had a light at the end of the fucking tunnel, they were already cloning more people to have to deal with. And creating oh, yeah. more problems to have to power. And their mm -hmm. whole issue was power. Like, uh, dumbasses. Well, it's an ego thing. Well, so. that's what, honestly, this is what is accurate, is this is exactly what happened to the Nazis. They also had superior technology and they had... They overreached. And they, they over-fucking-reached. They had no resources at the end. Honestly, it's a lot like uh, the fall of Rome. <laughs> so now that we've jumped ahead to a lot of reveals for this episode... <laughs> Listen, this is how we always operate. Y'all can't come into listening to an episode of ours if you're hoping for no spoilers, all right? <laughs> it doesn't happen. So they they managed to actually get a hold of these people and, like, tell them, like, don't send another fucking person through. Because <laughs> the, guy, the guy they responded was like, oh, oh, I'll come through right away. And they're like, no, don't, don't. <laughs> oh, don't. Sorry, hearing his voice over the thing at first, it's like, if, you, if you know his voice, you were like, it's like every single time I have ever heard Rene Abergenois' voice in anything. Like, I heard him in, even when he had a German accent in, in Uncharted, I was like, holy shit, is that Odo? 
because his voice <laughs> is so distinctive. So even with like the distortion they were going with uh-huh. to show that you know they were matching frequencies and everything, you hear that guy speak, and obviously I knew he was coming, but still, yeah, you hear yeah, him yeah. speak, and you're like, oh hey, it's Odo, and you get to see him with his bright blue eyes, which they focus on yeah. a lot in this. Mm-hmm. Well Peter done. Peter Delaware does a great job of focusing no, on they things, which is part of again job. reason why, and I, I love that I'm, I love that I'm like, don't. We don't worry about spoilers here, but I am building a little bit of a, a mystery with um, a, a thing I think was definitely a dropped plot line. And it has to do with partly with, like, Peter DeLuise's framing of some scenes. But yeah, so he... Odo. So he, he turns on a camera to... Because he, he's like, oh yes, you, you wouldn't know to trust me. So I'll definitely... Which is also really fucking pointed. Because he's like, oh yes, you must see that I'm pure. Also, it, it's not... Nearly as implied here, but speaking of skipping ahead, and I know I'll forget mm-hmm. to mention it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we skip ahead all the time. Right? Nine, nine times out of ten, isn't it? It starts the beginning of the thing of him wanting to come across because, as you, of course, know, oh, as I'm yeah, sure most people end. know, Operation Paperclip is how we, the U.S., yeah. let a fuck ton of Nazi scientists get away with their war, yeah. war crimes mm-hmm. and crimes against humanity. I because they came over to work for us. Where Brad writes, like, that was a bad thing. <laughs> but yeah, so I uh, I just like they're calling it out here too, which is the U.S. solved a problem by helping end the war. And then we just, you know, quietly let a bunch of people get away with a lot of really terrible things because we wanted to use them to our advantage. Yeah, there's some very pointed messages that Brad Wright is sending this episode. And to be fair to him, all of them are good messages. <laughs> He's coming down on the right side of everything in his in his dialogue here. You know, less. Uh, I'm not gonna actually say it, but uh, a little spoiler for the end of this episode. I think we both already know uh, <laughs> which Who we which are? person we are. <laughs> but yeah, so so he uh, Odo. I don't even know the guy's actual name in the show. It doesn't matter. He's Odo. He gets a video feed. To prove that he's pure. <laughs> SGC does not know that's what that's, this is about, though. And he's like, oh, yes, hi. You know, like, communicating with them. And they kind of explain to him, like, hey, uh, the three dudes you sent through fucking died on our iris. Uh, but we're down to, like, do some, like, negotiations with you and stuff. But, like, you can't come through here. And he's like, oh, well, you guys can come over here. You know, and he, like, he kind of gives them, like, a little preview to their problems. And he's starting to. But then, like, they're under attack and he has to, like, shut off the transmission. And they're like, we should help them. They're like, we can't help them unless we don't have coordinates. They're like, oh, he sent us the coordinates right before he shut off. Oh, how how fortuitous that he managed to send them right before he... It felt so... This is the first where I'm like, hmm... The timing of this is very strange, that right when you're in the middle of a phone call, you're under attack, but you still manage to get off those coordinates to these people in time? How fortuitous. Yeah, I thought it was just purely convenience for the episode. No, I, I feel like there's so there were so many times where I'm like, are they actually under attack or do they have fake earthquake simulators in this base? There's sometimes that it's so perfectly timed where I'm like, you're just trying to make them think that this is a bigger issue than it actually is. Well, I was wrong before on a different thing, so I could just be wrong here on, uh, as well, but I just had gotten the impression through other dialogue bits that they were just literally constantly under attack to the point where they were talking about how there was silence, silence for the first time in a while. 
So I was under the impression that they were just literally constantly under attack because it was the end of the war. This is definitely See, alluding to be like the end of the... their war, like like it was for us when World War Two was coming yeah. to a close, when when the Allies were sweeping through Germany, oh, and yeah, it was yeah, literally yeah. just a, the final days were furious fighting as they were just getting cornered. So I think yeah, I'm not that. saying that's definitely not the thing, but I also do want to point out that when they say that, oh, finally some silence. It's pointedly in front of no, SG-1. No, you're, you're not wrong. You are not wrong. So I definitely don't disagree with that like, I'm not, impression. I, I, I feel like it's a combination of both. Hey, I feel yeah, like, maybe. yeah, there's definitely, like, the quote-unquote end of the war, so there's definitely, like, a lot of fervor picking up and everything. But I definitely also feel like they exaggerated a lot of things and made them feel a lot more desperate in front of SG-1 in a lot of instances. You know, it could be. It really could be. I uh, I was just going off of my own historical knowledge about the end yeah. of the war. But again, I was wrong about how this <laughs> episode was taking that history. Yeah. So it could be that they're taking history and not doing an exact play-by-play and adding well, in the manipulative or another, element or something. My interpretation of that is solely an interpretation. There's not enough in the that dialogue. That was less like the cloning setting. one where it was. Yeah. Okay. This is just where it's like this atmospherically feels like, it just feels like they're putting on a play for SG-1 for most of this. So there's a lot of times where I'm like, is this actually happening? <laughs> you know? But yeah, so they they have the coordinates and they're like, okay, well, we want to go help and everything. And they're like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go through and we'll offer them like aid. And Hammond's like, oh, like, what what are you suggesting? And Daniel goes for the obvious of like, you know, food, water, you know. Humanitarian Clothes, aid. humanitarian resources. And then, was it Jack who brought up weapons? Probably. Immediately? Someone brought up weapons. Well, Jack is the one who like embodies that mentality for the rest of the episode, so I would totally buy it was him. I honestly don't remember. Yeah, but the part of him embodying that I think comes down to a dropped storyline. Um, it probably was Jack though. You know what? I do think it was Jack anyway. I don't think he was immediately like, yeah, let's give him all the fucking guns, but it was just kind of like a the idea is floated at least. But I do like that as soon as the idea of offering them weapons is floated, Daniel's like, that's a bad idea. <laughs> Because he's very, he's like, we don't know what's going on over there. Daniel is exactly <laughs> why all military outfits should have a civilian have civilians? adjunct. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So um, this in this in this briefing scene is actually one of the, uh, in my opinion, weakest parts of the writing, where even Hammond tries to elude that the three men who died on the iris are their fault. He doesn't directly say it, but in the dialogue, he kind of insinuates it, well, where he's kind of like, yeah, we owe them some help or something. And I'm like, Hammond would not feel that way. I got, the only thing that's different is I got the opinion that he was not saying that we owe them so much as I know if it were me and I were desperate, like this person supposedly sounded, I would use that to my advantage. Like, hey, we were trying to do diplomatic ties and you killed our three emissaries. You fucking owe us. See, I didn't get that at all, but I prefer that reading because it seems more in character for him. Yeah, because him is the guy who talks about the, was... the relations, the diplomatic relations, yeah. and he's like, that would sour See, it if it were I feel like me. the fact that we both got different interpretations is a slight weakness in the dialogue there. The fact that it wasn't as clearly... Or it could be a strength. And I'm saying, and what I'm saying, that is the weakest part of the... It's not even that bad. Like, when either of us point out a weak point in a script that Brad Wright or John or Robert C. Cooper or Heather Ash, right? It's always not that bad. <laughs> but yeah, so he even points out that, like, yeah, you know, they did lose three people to our stuff. But then they go through... Oh, wait, no, hang on. 
Oh, yeah, this, yeah, sorry, my next note was where I was like, this whole thing feels like a careful script to make them feel like they have to help, which is definitely, they're, they're setting that up, I just preferred the Sam setting up of it more to the Hammond setting up of it, but, you know, I, I like your interpretation too, and I'm, I'm willing to accept that, of him just being like, you know, they're probably gonna bring that up. That makes him more reasonable and more Hammond. Exactly. That's why I'm going to go with your interpretation. But um, yeah, I, I almost feel like when an episode is really well written, I have to look for a weak point in it just to be like. What do you think I do? Every time yeah. I love an episode, I'm going, okay, so this is like nothing because I fucking love this episode. Exactly. Yeah, that's why. This is me saying this is really nothing. This is the weakest part of the episode is where I'm like, I don't know about Hammond's expression here, you know? Uh, but yeah, so, but Daniel, like, is basically like, hey, we need to go through and help them. And I, this is, this is not the first time it's happened. It's not even gonna be the last time it happens. But every time Daniel says something and Hammond immediately agrees with him and Daniel misses Keeps that he going. agrees with him and continues to argue his point is glorious. I love it every time because he's so used to like people being like, ah, the civilian. So he's like, no, I really insist. I think, that, uh, oh, <laughs> I love it every time. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Hammond immediately agrees. Yes, we need to go through and help. <laughs> but they're immediately going to be going through with like, you know, the normal human, the humanitarian stuff that Dan Daniel suggested, food, water, medicine, that kind of stuff. They're going through immediately with that. They're not going through with any weapons. They're just going through with the humanitarian stuff, and they're gonna find out what's going on over there. Is yeah. basically their their initial mission is to go through and do that. But yeah, so they're about to walk through, and Jack is like, "Ah, oh, Teal, you've got that look on your face." And Daniel like uses like he's trying to like ask Jack what look he's talking about. But he, what I love about this is he uses it to express his own misgivings about this mission. <laughs> It's it's standout because he doesn't usually do that in these episodes, but I love it. It was so great. It, yeah, he's never really done this before, but I loved it. Because he was basically... Daniel is the audience's mouthpiece this entire episode. And he's got a lot of the same misgivings as me. Where you don't quite trust what's going on here. And you know there's something else going on. And he's like vaguely stating a lot of that. But like using Teal's undefined expression as um it's it's great because it's i think it's a great character piece because it shows that like daniel as a character isn't confident enough to just say hey guys i have this feeling about this mission but he does still want to say it he still wants it out there so yeah. he uses this as a mouthpiece to do it i like that but i also like that as soon as he says that jack goes no the other one what the other look is i was like what other look what other look i love that his wife knows him so well that daniel didn't just look straight ahead and goes oh <laughs> yeah like oh no <laughs> no the other one oh, oh. <laughs> i i love i love well of course jack is the i have a bad feeling about this there's a ton oh hi kitty i didn't know you were in here with me hello Aww. um uh there's a ton that i love about this episode when it comes to the unspoken reactions like the end oh yeah the, the last the unspoken scene stuff in really this episode me. is phenomenal but yeah so they go through and they find that there's clearly been some it's it's clearly like the residue from like overhead bombing kind of stuff like there's some destruction around the gate they find the guy they were speaking to who's like been hit by debris or whatever and they have to help him up and as they're helping him up um 
his soldiers come out of nowhere and are like, hey, you know, let go of our, our dude. And they're like, uh, we're here to help. <laughs> and he, he smooths the way and they all go into their, their safer bunker. And here's, here's another part where, again, where on my end, I was like, this feels like a huge stage play. Because, like, he, he had to get helped up from the ground. He was clearly very injured when they find him. As soon as they're in, like, a safer bunker, he seems fine. And he says, like, oh, yeah, it was our, it was our medicine, blah, blah, blah. The beta canton. it's, like, it's so instant. I'm like, you were playing up how injured you were for the arrivals. You, why were you still at the gate? They had a whole briefing between the conversation they had with you and coming through, and you were still at the gate? Really? So I, I had Your a very similar problem. Or anything? No, my problem was pretty much the same, just like just like lesser, I guess. The timing. Like I, well, no, my, my problem was like literally like twenty percent of what you described. Um, <laughs> it's just a lesser degree of what you were saying. My issue was that they said they need pretty much everything. To quote Daniel later, they but need their medicine everything. like instantly fixed it. Yeah, why do you need medicine if you have beta cantin that heals you? Yeah. That literally I was makes wildly no sense. suspicious. And they of keep the beta hammering. Yeah, they don't talk about it enough. So I actually I'm totally buying into what you're saying now. There is a total dropped element there because they talk about this beta canton. That's not even thing. the dropped element that well, I'm thinking well, of. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying I think that might play into it in some way. Okay, then there's in my opinion, there's two dropped elements of this episode. Yeah. And we'll get to the bigger one soon. Yeah, because my issue right here is the fact that they bring it up a few times, but they also hammer home the medicine thing a few times, and there's never any res- resolution to that. No. So that's odd. It does also feel like when uh, SG-1 brings up um, having access to their beta canton, it almost feels like the guys are like, oh shit, yeah, that, right. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, part of that dropped element I'm thinking about now, it's kind of shaping as I'm, you know, as I'm sitting here, uh-huh. and I'm thinking that it, it's something, so this is not formed yet, because again, it's still forming, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm thinking it's nebulously along the lines of the beta canton thing was some element of the cloning thing that I think they were going to talk oh, yeah, about yeah. a little more heavily. And I think the reason why he was reluctant to really talk about it was because, because they were going to hammer him. Yeah, I think they were going to hammer home a little bit more that it had to be specifically their kindred, in quotes. Dude, that's and it actually... couldn't be any average human or anybody like Teal'c. You know what's wild is that when I was watching the episode, I actually had that immediate thought. Because when they brought up the Beta Canton, I was like, is it going to work for you at all? <laughs> Is it gonna is it gonna work for Earth people? Phenotype. Beta beta canton only works with certain genomes. There you go. That's it why they were like work uh, on oh, anybody else. When SG1 brought up the beta canton. It wouldn't latch on to the DNA or something. Okay, there we go. Which means it would if uh, actually no, I don't think it would help anyone in SG1, because I was gonna say if it was gonna help anyone it would be Sam, but uh she's got the Jill in our residue, so no, it wouldn't help anyone in SG1. But I'm also realizing something. So this right here is, this is so epically wild that I probably shouldn't even conjecture it. But there's an element here that you're going to understand why I'm going to bring it up anyway Uh in a second. Timing-wise, this is season four. Guess what's starting in about a season? Atlantis. The openings for it. The ATA gene. They can't bring up the phenotype thing yet because they're going to steal their Atlantis ship before it was happening. I think they didn't want to do it. I think you're right because honestly, the moment Jack went into that little uh, virtual fighter jet, I was like, is this a prelude for the ATA gene with the Atlantis? Because when she's like, think it and it'll do it, I was like, is this a fucking prelude to the Atlantis technology? It absolutely was. They had to drop it because of that. I what if what if Brad Wright was writing that into this episode and they were and like shit, 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 shit. it would be great for Atlantis stuff and it was like nope yeah, yank it yeah. out yank it I out I think that's what happened I think if they didn't if they didn't already have the idea and had to yank it because of that 
then I think it's they had to yank it because they realized it was better as something else. The fact that we both thought of the Atlantis ATA genes and that sort of interaction with technology, it's gotta be something. But here's the thing. This happens. This is a trivia bit. Um, this is one of my favorite elements of trivia ever. And I bring it up whenever I possibly can with people. One of my favorite movies, I like how I say that because I have a million favorite movies. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever movie I've watched more, most recently is often my most favorite movie. Yeah, I've got a whole slew of like my favorite movies. <laughs> Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Sun yeah. You Paul Newman. A lot. Mm, because it's fucking amazing. It's Paul Newman and Robert Redford when he was young. It's yeah, beautiful. We're going to watch but that together at some point. Yes, we are. Watching I it alone. love I that movie. Oh, yeah. I've seen it a million times. I can practically quote it. Yeah, it's like Back to the Future for me. It's also a really great movie. It's really well done. It deals with the, the end of their career. But one of my favorite things about it is originally in the movie, there's supposed to be a whole segment where they go to New York City and live it up. Yeah. During that time, sets were really expensive to build. I've told you the story a million times. The sets yeah, yeah, were I really remember, expensive yeah, to build. I feel like you've said it on this podcast. I probably have. Too. I probably have. It's one of my favorite things of trivia. <laughs> but yeah, so they built this probably whole wild hours set. Deleted yeah, stuff. probably. <laughs> and in this you know age of new film and Technicolor and all that stuff, sets are really expensive, and they wanted to really use them well because it was a big mm -hmm. deal to have a set made yeah so originally the plan was that they were going to inaugurate this new york set in butch cassidy and the sundance kid i forget which movie ended up actually being its inauguration i forgot what the movie's called because i don't care it's not butch cassidy <laughs> <laughs> anyway that movie i think takes place in new york something happened snafu wise and they decided that it was actually going to fuck up that movie's chances if the set was used first in Butch Cassidy uh -huh. and Sundance Kid. So they said, you can't use it anymore. <laughs> it has to be in our movie, even though our movie is not going to air until after yours. So you got to do something. So they did. They turned that entire scene into a, uh, a montage of photos. Oh, Sepia-toned yeah. photos where they clearly are in, quote-unquote, New York or whatever, or like Los Angeles or New Orleans or whatever uh -huh. city they're supposed to be in. But you don't see jack shit above the set. <laughs> and that left it free and clear to be used in a later movie. So you know shit what? happens sometimes post-production and, and just during production where you have a really good idea for your story, but that ends up having to get completely yanked out and you got to make do. Mm -hmm. So they go through and they start getting some information from these guys, uh, but they're getting, you know, they're obviously getting one side. <laughs> they're finding out that like, because they're underground, um, they're finding out that like the surface is poisoned. And I love, and, okay, ask this is no another questions. instance this is another instance where Daniel, there's a lot of instances in this episode where Daniel says a bit of dialogue that is like the entire theme of this episode. Because Daniel goes, um, what is there left to fight over? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many instances of dialogue in this episode where it's like, Daniel is just, no one else has to talk. Just have Daniel talk in this episode. <laughs> But yeah, so like, and I love that when he asks that, Odo clearly doesn't like him asking that and like decides to stop answering Daniel and turns to Jack. Yeah, he's it's like, very oh shit, obvious an intellectual. That, fuck. Yeah, it's very obvious that Odo can tell that Daniel's not going to get easily swept up <laughs> so, in any of his shit. For future reference in this episode, by the way, I'm going to be using two different labels because there are two different types of people in these situations. Smart types of use to a tyrant or smart types not of use to a tyrant. And a smart mm -hmm. type that is of use to a tyrant will be called a scientist. And a smart yes, type yes. who is not is will be called an intellectual. <laughs> so that's how Perfect. I'm going to be labeling them is because you're either a professor of knowledge, therefore useful to me, or you're some asshole I don't need around right now. Yeah, exactly. 
But yeah, so while they're being shown around and everything, they're about to be, um, they're, they're not being directly attacked. It's like a flyover scouting initial thing, but they want to shoot it down anyway because they don't want that information getting back to them. So and this is where, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. This is a little tiny thing. I'm going to just do it because I have to. I set this precedent with myself way back with episode two that we will not talk about. But <laughs> drives me fucking insane when people will use language they have no business using. These yeah, people have been here for how fucking long and they use the word recon. Recon is short for reconnaissance, yeah, which is yeah, a French yeah. word for scouting and shit. Look around, go search. List. These people should not be using that language. It drives me batshit. I'm going to give you um, a blanket answer just to, I don't know if it'll be enough. It's not like a good answer. It's yeah. just kind of like a, just internalize this and maybe it'll stop bothering you. <laughs> Likely. In the gate, there is some form of translation technology that just sort of, Rewrites whatever the word they actually had for recon SG-1 hears it no, as recon. I like this. I like this. The brain is nothing but a series of electric impulses. Yeah. So electrochemical impulses, I should say. It's also why they don't have to Raw translate anything by, whenever by the they ancients. go to any fucking yeah, planet. Yeah, no, no, the ancients is a put in is a, a translation thread. And yeah. it lasts for a certain amount of time. I would go with that. I would say that if you didn't travel through a gate for like... A week, it would wear off. It yeah. would wear off because it'd be like a temporary delta yeah. wave There's effect or something. There's a circuit. There's a babblefish in in the gate. <laughs> babblefish, I love it. No, I'm here for that. <laughs> Honestly, where I'm just from now on, every time I'm, I catch this, I'm gonna be like, oh, by the way, I'm just gonna call out a little bit of a translation circuit moment here, where this person there says the go. word fucking translation recon. Circuit. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's, translation. It's circuit. the uh, it's the Merlin 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 equivalent of your sacking. Your sack, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that one's just a magic. Translation, I don't know. No, that's just uh, the writers of Merlin not giving a fuck about language, which I honestly appreciated. I loved it. <laughs> but yeah, so the enemy is doing a recon flyover, and they're like, oh, hey, do you want to shoot it down? To Jack. And they get him in this little seat, because at first he's a little hesitant, and they're like, oh, don't worry, they're unmanned. And as soon as they showed him the thing he was going to be getting into, this is where my Ender's Game experience, I'm like, they're fucking right. lying, they're fucking lying. Because right. uh, for anyone who's listening who uh, isn't, isn't associated with Ender's Game, I don't blame you, Orson Scott Card is a terrible person, but the Ender's Game story is so good. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate when terrible people are good writers. <laughs> but there is a plot, and I'm, I'm going to spoil this. <laughs> I'm going to spoil the end of the first book for you. If you um, haven't learned a, Ender's Game by now. <laughs> yeah, it's a very old, and there was a very bad movie that was done. So, like, that movie spoiled Ender's Game forever anyway. There is, there's a big twist reveal. So, the whole plot of Ender's Game is that there's kids being trained for the future of a battle that they have to do in the future. Okay? And they're being trained on these simulators the whole time. And there's this one kid, Ender, who's like, oh, this is definitely going to be our, our main leader. He's perfect. And they keep pushing him forward and pushing him forward. And, like, he's still in training, theoretically. He's doing all these simulators. And they start, like, simulating full-on battles with the enemy that he's going to be going against. And he finds out at the very end of the book, those weren't simulators. He was actually controlling ships, like, via the same sort of technology they're using in this episode out there and actually killing these aliens in real life and there he were times when he doing threw it. away human lives too exactly and the reason they did this is because if he didn't know he would make military decisions instead of humane decisions 
That was the entire point of the the twist ending of Ender's Game was that they did this to kids because they were, you know, they could be easily tricked on that end, on one end. And also their their minds are more malleable and they didn't tell them because if you don't know, then you can make more destructive final decisions. Because the end of the book, he decides to destroy the entire home planet of the the hive race where the queen is. Which he never would have done if he actually knew that was happening. He did it as a fuck you to his, his trainers because he was tired of this. He didn't know he was actually ending a war. And so because of my experience with Ender's Game, I immediately was, I was immediately suspicious when this woman told Jack, Oh, don't worry, it's an unmanned drone. But yeah, so Jack gets into the thing. And he does his little ATA gene, <laughs> tells the... They had to have realized, oops, we're spoiling something. Absolutely, which is why I think some stuff got cut out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he shoots down the drone. And then he, like, he looks over at the guy next to him and it's kind of like, not bad, huh? And the guy just gives him, like... Okay, here's the thing. I understand what... <laughs> I understand ultimately what it's supposed to be. This guy is supposed to be a portrayal of the dangers of inbreeding. <laughs> But this, the, the half sneer this man has on his face when he first looks at, Dan, at, at Jack, when Jack looks to get, like, complimented for him shooting the, the drone down, I was like, has this man been watching Indiana Jones Nazis? Because <laughs> he had the face perfect. Yeah. I like how you got the inbreeding element there, too, a little bit, because they were like, heavily implied through the dialogue that it was brain damage. Oh, that they wanted Jack to think that it was one hundred percent inbreeding. It was one hundred percent. I don't think it was lie. inbreeding per se for me. I, I, I think it was that he was just a fuck up. Like they had done their, you know, their genetic. Oh yeah, yeah. They put two people together, said, "Okay, you two will make this." You know, Gattaca basically. Like, okay, this will definitely make this yeah, kind of baby. Yeah, not strictly like inbreeding, but like that theme. They fucked up with his his breeding. Yeah, that was definitely just a lie they told Jack to explain this man. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it could have been the truth. I just didn't get that feel. That's the thing, is this episode, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, that like the dialogue seemed at all times so double-layered that I was always kind of like... No, I think that was on purpose. Right, I think no, it was, it was well on done. purpose in some elements, yeah. but in other times, I can't, I can't help if they were... I can't help but wonder if that was always their intent or if it's just an oopsie. I'm not complaining either way, I'm just wondering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, no, this was... Um, especially since we also think that they kind of chopped shit up, so like, who knows what might have accidentally yeah, exactly. been implied yeah. as a result. All right, so talking about chopping shit up, um, this scene, the next scene, they're at dinner, and they're all kind of uh, sitting around the table, and, and this is actually where I'm going to bring up the huge thing that I think had to have gotten chopped. Because there's enough little hints that I'm like, this had to be a plot line, but you can't have this be a plot line just as an insinuation. You would have to actually say something about it. So they're at dinner, and they all do a toast. And everyone takes a drink. And Tilk pointedly does not. And Odo calls it out, like, oh, you didn't toast with us. And Tilk says, I don't drink. Which is the first time we've heard Tilk say that. Which is, it's fine. We haven't seen him drink before. So it's not like it's going against anything. And I'd even buy. You know, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. But the man seemed bothered by that. And in the scene, there are a lot of pointed... Well, well actually, one of the most pointed directing choices I thought was in a later scene. Uh, but I'll bring it up here because this is when I first started getting suspicious about it. Because the moment he brought up, oh, he didn't toast. I'm like, is there something in the water? Or it's not even water, booze. You know, Is there something in the drink that they gave them? And he's unhappy that Teal'c isn't drinking it. 
there are some instances in especially the a later scene i just want to get this out in the middle <laughs> um where jack says something wildly not wildly but like where he's he's just a little too gung-ho about helping these people and then right after he does it and i think it's right after he like yells at daniel about it too he pointedly takes a drink of the thing that they were all drinking around this table when they did the toast and i feel like there was some sort of I don't even know what kind of technology, but something that just, like, makes you a little bit more amendable to listening to them, you know? I feel like there had to be some sort of dropped element about there being something in the drink. Because especially the way that Peter DeLuise focused the camera on Jack taking a drink of the thing after he had the weird out-of-character flip-out at Daniel arguing about the weapons sharing. I was like, this feels really pointed. It feels like... They're dosing him. I thought it was one of two things at the time. One, I thought it was either the thing that delivers their beta canton. Okay. And or I thought it was um, a covenant thing because they're all, they're, they all, they thought that they were, you know, the Third Reich. They thought that they were the Master Race. Hey, they yeah, thought yeah. that they were, you know, their kindred. Their whole thing was that. And one of, uh, uh, one of the most common ways that people will cement their bonds, you know, is with communal drinking of alcohol. <laughs> You know, it was it was no, it was I, I a don't... covenant. They struck a covenant with a communal drink, and so having someone s pointedly sitting out, Snub especially it, somebody who yeah. is already not one uh -huh. of them, it was way too much of an affront. It was very insulting, and I loved the scene for showing him his body language as Odo is going there, oh, like yeah. this fucking worm yeah, yeah, isn't drinking our covenant with us. This fucking guy and he has to grin and bear it because yeah, he yeah. literally needs I, this I and i loved don't disagree it disagree with you there but i think part partly i was already suspicious because i was just suspicious of these people the whole fucking right. time because of all the double speak and all of the um i was already like i didn't trust a damn thing they were doing oh yeah and so the fact that he was calling out that teal wasn't drinking i'm like why? What's in the water? Yeah. No, it wasn't even water. Yeah. What's yeah. in the booze? What's in the booze that you're upset that he's not drinking it? But then just there's a later scene where where Jack and Daniel almost have a fucking divorce where right after Jack delivers way too like gung ho cuz like yeah, Jack is military and Jack is out of anyone on the team the one more likely to say, "Yeah, let's give him guns to help with this thing." But he was he didn't even like this whole episode until, like, near the very end, he doesn't even think about there being an underlying thing going on. Yeah. Which, it's like, Jack's too smart for that. And the way that Jack right after he delivers this line to Daniel, and then, like, Peter DeLuise has the camera showing Jack tank taking another drink, I was like, I think there's something in that water. Honestly, I like it a lot. I think is I, I I took it to be booze, not water, and I took no, it, it is to booze. It absolutely yeah. is booze. I just keep saying because you, you know good. you know the no, terminology hey, of there's dude, something we, in the water. No, you're good. No, I love it. You're fine. Besides, I'm, I was gonna go with. Uh, I was also gonna say one thing that could have also been. In, uh, I have no idea if this is true or not. There's nothing in the trivia to back it up for me. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of impressions from what Teal'c was doing. Um, yeah, I thought maybe one of the things that they could have also been taking as a bit of a, a bit of an affront is uh, something that some holy people are people who like you know the body is a temple it's pure they don't drink uh -huh. because of that so it could have yeah. also been like these people think they're racially pure and having oh, somebody yeah, yeah, who's yeah. like demonstrating their purity and adversity to theirs is actually kind of a cool yeah element i thought maybe yeah. so there yeah, was that for me that either 
but also I was thinking that so I was taking it for booze I was taking it to be that Jack was already facing this moral element of well if I don't ask questions I can get some cool shit here and that's something that Jack yeah. would like to do he is reckless mm-hmm. to that extent and until he does Absolutely. see ab, you know abject red flags he's not really somebody's gonna go looking for him a lot of the time that's where he and I are kind of similar I get really anxious and I don't like looking yeah. for red flags and so Sometimes I feel like Jack and I can kind of I can kind of see where he was going with that. But I really like the idea of it being like a heavy druggy kind of booze because that would mean yeah. that he's also in his inhibitions are now also extremely lowered. Yeah, I think and it's, I could see I don't it think honestly it's that explicit. Well, I think it's just let like me finish, an inhibitions let me finish. kind yeah. of thing. So yeah, I was thinking inhibitions, about. but I was also thinking like, you know, we talking about you were talking about like with stuff in the water. What if it's also like the element that maybe that maybe it was dropped or something is it's meant, meant to heighten their best or strongest element. So it would heighten Sam's intellectualness to the point where she's so focused on the science that she wouldn't care what it's being used for. But she kind of was a little bit. Exactly. Like, it would kind of lower her morality just in the sense of her filter would be changed. She definitely started listening a little bit more to Daniel than Jack was, but also she's an intellectual. Yeah, so I got a a bit of an idea, I guess, that maybe it was kind of, like, meant to heighten aspects of them that is, quote-unquote, the master part of them. Yeah, and, I would uh, disagree with that. Then I it think just there's didn't something happen. like that. Yeah, it just didn't happen, you know, yeah. outwardly on screen. But I could totally see yeah. that being a thing. I feel like because that he was acts a drop like element. such an ass that it's like, okay, yes. how in hip- how fucking drunk are you right now that you're not exactly. caring at all? Yeah, the how no, much I'm here an for them being Jack roofied. acts like later on, and it's just the way that it, like go back and watch the scene where they almost get a divorce. And look at the way Peter Delaway's frame Jack taking his drink. body language is what I was focusing on in that, in that scene, which again is still directing. I was I, and, oh, yeah, and yeah, acting yeah, absolutely. I was seeing it as him just being so frivolous with it, so fuck mm-hmm. you with it that he was just everything about him was decisive action and not thoughtful action. Yeah. Whereas Daniel was epitomizing thoughtful action because again yeah. his strongest element was extremely amplified in this. It backfired a exactly, bit yeah. on these uh-huh. guys if they yeah. did in fact put shit in the oh, water. Oh yeah. Because Daniel's always Oops. like this, but he was definitely, like, really He wasn't letting go of that people. lead, man. He was tearing yeah, at it. Yeah, you know what? I think it's something like that. It, it heightens, like, it, it's something like Everybody that, in this episode was not one-dimensional in that they, they were badly written. They were it's just that they became kind of yeah. one-dimensional, two-dimensional, sorry, because they became, like, an arrow point of focus yeah. on one thing. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. I think that, um, I agree with it. If not, it's a great headcanon. I'm satisfied with yeah. that. It's one of those things, it, again, it's one of those things where Brad Wright would have to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> God, can you imagine ever getting to meet him at like, like a convention or something and be like, okay, so we I have a couple have a of notes. Things, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, like, in my notes, I'm like, here, I have a couple of outright questions that I need you to yay or nay for me. And then for, if we ever <laughs> met Michael Shanks, it would just be, how much did you hate your glasses in season yeah, two? Yeah, seriously, I need to know. Were they in your hair on purpose because they were crap? Like, what was the deal? Were we couldn't help but notice that you refused to, to wear the them for a couple of years. Like, what was it? Were they causing headaches? Were they digging into your nose? Like, I need to know. <laughs> we focused so much on this Shanks. one fucking prop for two fucking seasons. I need to know. <laughs> For Brad Wright, we have all of these, like, dropped plot lines. Is this what you meant by this? Also, I, I noticed Michael you did Shanks this with just, the camera angle. So, it seemed to be implying this. Two glasses. And because of that, I got an entire element of devil versus angel worship. Were you going for this? Like, I need to do that. Oh, my God. 
God, oh, I pity Robert C. Cooper if he ever gets to meet me. Because they would hate us. No, that's what I was just thinking. It's like, I think Robert C. Cooper would kick me out. Like, he'd be like, bitch, you are too obsessed with me. And I'm like, yeah, no, you're right. But can we talk about the episode time first before I leave? Robert C. Cooper would definitely kick us out. Uh, I can't decide if he'd love me or hate me. I'm pretty, okay, I can't decide. I can hope it would be the first one, but we all right. know it'd be the second. <laughs> right, right. Anyway. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay, here's here's another one of the uh, weakest points in the script. And again, it's a tiny nothing thing. But when they're talking about, because they're, they're saying, oh, yeah, we'll bring food and stuff along. Um, and everyone's like, oh, great. You know, we have to make by with, like, hydroponically grown yeast. And, like, after she says that Daniel had just been eating out of the bowl, and he goes, is that what this is? And he doesn't, like, do, like, the go off and barf kind of thing, but he's clearly, like, unhappy about it. And I'm like, the anthropologist would have that reaction out of everyone at the table? I don't think so. Okay, you he brought this up. He face first into eating random things. Why did you have the anthropologist have that reaction? There are four other people at that table. <laughs> tiny, tiny story. Uh, th that just always reminds me of the same fucking thing every time we talk about this, is that the funniest story I ever heard was a guy, I, had, I didn't even know him, I, I was hearing him talk, but he talked about traveling somewhere once and how they had the people he was staying with in that country played a trick on him where they had they mm -hmm. served like a special kind of like fish or eel or something and when they sat down they said it's a tradition for our honored guest to have the most prized piece the eyeball and this guy went okay get himself up <laughs> plucked that eyeball out and he swallowed it <laughs> and then after he swallowed it his his hosts stared at him for a beat and then went yeah we were kidding Oh, <laughs> you didn't have to eat that, man. <laughs> Are you going to be you okay? Said so sooner, my man. <laughs> but yeah, so I imagine that Daniel's also been pranked because he looks like a really gullible idiot. I can imagine oh, yeah, that in his early career, that man ate a lot of eyeballs. Oh, yeah. But it also, for some reason, this episode really makes me, I think Brad Wright liked Indiana Jones. Uh, it makes me think of uh, the Temple of Doom one. Where the worst he, like, one. criticizes, yeah, it's definitely the worst one, but where he, like, sh like criticizes, I don't remember the woman's name, but you know, the, the woman of the movie. Oh, shit. For, uh, like, turning her Andy? nose up on, yeah, I think that is her, I think it is Andy. But he, like, he points out that, like, her turning her nose up at, at the food that the, the locals are offering when they don't have a lot of food. Like, it's very, it's that kind of thing, like. I love, I love it when I joke that I was raised right, because... No, I wasn't. But, <laughs> no. But in some regards, I was raised right. And I was raised to believe that when somebody offers you food, unless you're, like, literally allergic to it or have, like... Yeah. So unless you have a cultural abhorrence of it, a religious uh, abhorrence yeah, yeah, yeah. to it, or you're fucking allergic, which in the first mm -hmm. two also kind of basically just count as allergic because what is yeah, allergic yeah, yeah. if not an intolerance? You know, if you mm -hmm. literally cannot tolerate this food for some reason... You get a pass because, duh. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a pass. You just get to exist. Yeah. Go for it. Um, I hate people who are like, oh, yeah, you can get away with that. It's like, no, fuck you. That's no, just an actual no, thing. No. That's not um, getting away. Don't That's... be a dick about it, but just be like, sorry, I literally cannot eat this. Unless it's that, you shut the fuck up and you eat that food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, there is no reason to be rude. There is yeah, literally exactly. no reason to be rude, especially when somebody is going out of their way to do something for you. Yeah, so I just... 
I don't I, I don't know about Daniel being the one to do that. No, because Daniel wouldn't like have Jack he, reaction. That would have been a Jack fine. reaction because Jack's an idiot and an ass. But Jack is also boozed up right now, so he didn't really notice. He's not eating. He's just drinking. That's why he got hit the most. In that he's case, not, I would have had just Sam or Teal'c mention the food because Daniel was just the wrong choice to have mentioned Teal'c the food. Teal'c wouldn't have done it either. Yeah, Fine, Sam it then. Sam. Sam. She Jack. asks questions. Yeah. She's the question. She's she's the question maker. Yeah. No. It was it was wrong. It, like I said, a weak point of the script having Daniel's. It's it's nothing. Oh, yeah. But it's or if still he's gonna question, he needs to do it in the much more like. Oh, is this what this is? Yeah, that yeah. kind of way. Like the curiosity standpoint kind of way. I yeah, was a he, curiosity he rover. Was unhappy finding out it was hydroponically grown yeast and i was like come on dude so yeah at this dinner uh they mentioned that like the thing they would really like from sgc is hard water which and yes yes i yeah uh, um real quick i do want to just set up with it so yeah um so they say yeah we'd really like some hard water and jack's like oh yeah that's easy we can give you that and Daniel goes, shouldn't we ask what they need the water for? <laughs> so, you already kind of called it earlier. We already kind of know who we are. Mm-hmm. As you may have noticed before, history is <laughs> kind of my thing. I adore Brad Wright. God, speaking of read a fucking book, this man has clearly read a fucking book or two, and I love mm-hmm. it. Because heavy water is such a great call out especially from daniel the person who knows history because i like how yeah. the fucking military guys like yeah sure we can hand over heavy water because fun fact i knew very little about this i knew we had sabotaged a bunch of shit in world war ii i did not know to what extent because i didn't care my focus was always more on like alan turing and his work I, that's my yeah, that's yeah, my obviously my grandmother actually worked at bletchley um she actually knew alan turing so that's like that's really cool for me <laughs> that's my history and i'd really very rarely go into what else we did to sabotage because at the end of the day we won and i know about normandy i know about the footwork and i know about the code work and i know very little about the sabotage work or should i say i used to know very little i now know a stupid level amount about the norwegian <laughs> heavy water sabotage oh, there's a yeah. link i'll be including here this was a thing that happened for four years between 1940 and 1944 where uh, it was a series of allied-led ev- uh, efforts to halt german heavy water production via hydroelectric plants in nazi germany occupied norway during world war ii uh, involving both norwegian commandos and allied bombing raids because, you know, illusion hell here. During the war, the Allies sought to inhibit the German development of nuclear weapons with the removal of heavy water and the destruction of heavy water production plants. The Norwegian heavy water sabotage was aimed at the 60 MW Vemork <laughs> power station at the, uh, sorry, Buchan waterfall in Telemark. That's all I'm going to go too into about here. I read the rest of this, though. It is mm-hmm. fucking this is a good read. <laughs> it really link is. It. We'll yeah, I'm going it. to link it. No, people came together on this shit. And yeah, I just, I love the fuck out of them mentioning heavy water here because this was apparently just a huge part of the war effort. And so the fact that he actually brings it in and makes it completely different from, you know, obviously the historical element, but still making it yeah. such a heavy, ha pun intended, element <laughs> of the story. That's just, that's, that's just grade A construction right there. So yeah, so the the people are like, oh, well, we, we use it to power our shields to defend ourselves. And then Daniel's obviously like waiting for the other shoe to drop and he's just kind of like, like staring at them like, and? and? And then they go, and our weapons as well. Or, you know, basically, yeah, and, and we, we'll use it to make 
uh, to power our weapons to destroy these dudes. And Daniel's the, the little bitchy, I knew it look on his face and the way he sets his cup down as soon as they admit to the weapons as well is just pitch perfect. He's just like, and there's the, there's and the shit. It dropped. Yep. It's like the mic drop of fucking knew it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But yeah, so this is actually, um, it actually is this scene uh, where the before Jack and Daniel start having their married couple fight over the, across the dinner table in front of guests. <laughs> and this, I love how Jack's kind of like, honey, not in front of the, not in front, well, I'll have this discussion later, Daniel, not in front of our allies. This is a bedroom conversation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Daniel's like, no, we're having this conversation now. And... And this is where, um, where I was just like, yeah, it's just like, this is def there's definitely something up with Jack. This is not Jack in his right mind. But even if it's just like, that it's really fucking strong booze, because while Daniel has made the joke in the pilot that he's a cheap date with the beers, uh, we also know in the pilot that he taught the Abedonians how to make moonshine and it was enough to make Jack choke, but Daniel was fine with it. So I think Daniel can hold his booze a lot better than Jack can. Honestly, I could see that. I don't really see Jack. He's He likes a beer at the end of the Jack day. Jack is a beer dude. He's a beer dude. But yeah, even if it's just like it's really strong alcohol, I don't fucking know. But Honestly, he's definitely I acting. I see Daniel like the kind of guy who does shots, though. Like, I'm not kidding. I see him like that kind oh, of absolutely. guy. absolutely. I can absolutely see like this whole thing where, because he definitely went to college younger. We know that. Especially if he has three fucking degrees by the time he's like, 25 and i can ju definitely just see like because he did have some quote-unquote friends at chicago <laughs> i don't know how how good of a friends they were we'll get into did, that when we meet them <laughs> yeah we'll get to curses eventually um but he did have friends there and i can definitely see a younger daniel just being like come on you know lighten up here take some shots and like not even making the conscious decision to be good at drinking, just getting introduced to it young enough that... <laughs> Daniel, to me, strikes me as the uh, definition of impressionable. Oh, 100%. So, yeah. Yeah, which is why uh, Curse's episode is so... It hits me really hard with him, because I'm like, ooh, look at these people he was surrounded by in Chicago. Oh, this poor man, this poor boy, because he would have been a kid back then. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that when we get to that episode. It's coming. Uh, but yeah, so I do love that um, Jack is, like, trying to be like, dang, I'm going to have this conversation later. But, but like, he finally has to just, like, say it out loud. And he's, like, too subtle for you. And, like, Daniel's like, yeah, for once, yes. Yeah. Which I think is, again, Daniel being like, yeah, you're not acting like yourself. What's going on? You're being subtle? I don't understand. <laughs> I love it every time he's forced. This is, honestly, like, back to the marriage thing. This is yeah. when you know someone pretty well and you do know that they have two sides to them and it's the side you usually see and then every time you're forcibly reminded about the other you're side like, oh, i hate this side it's like oh yeah <laughs> that's right there's this part oh yeah that's right you have a past you know it's that kind yeah, of thing yeah it's not like you're turned off of them as a person or anything it's not like you're surprised by it but it is always a nasty reminder and it's like uh -huh. god damn it it's like having an ex-wife you have to deal with yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just i loved this whole scene it was yeah. great we don't get a lot of the Jack Daniel banter, but we, we did get a Jack Daniel. Right. But it wasn't right. in a fun way. It was in yeah. a they're about to break up kind of way. Yeah. Uh, but they do get away from the table and they start like discussing, because Jack's basically like, yeah, we're going to send um, 
you know, we're going to send some people through. I think it was just Sam and Daniel, wasn't it? Just I Sam and Daniel? I think so. I think it was Sam and Daniel. Yeah, it was Sam and Daniel. Uh, we're going to send Sam, Sam and Daniel through to Hammond to say, hey, we've got this alliance squared up. They're going to give us technology, all this shit. All we need to do is give them hard water. And Daniel's like, that's not that's not a good idea. And he specifically, he says a great line in it where he's like, this whole world is on fire and we're offering them gasoline. And I do like I do that Teal'c is like, we're offering them water. And Daniel's like, it's a fucking metaphor. <laughs> okay, you know what kills me? So this show insisted on fucking nudity when it wasn't needed in the first episode. Mm-hmm. But they won't swear. And they won't swear once. I, I remember reading what... Okay, Here's this, the thing. So, I, isn't some of that... Doesn't that just come down to the weirdness of our rating system? I, yeah, it does. It just pisses me off because this was no, on I Showtime. I agree with you. And they could our, get away our, with the, the fucking... The rating system works is insane here's what fucking kills me i once read this was like obviously it wasn't in like a legitimate you know this wasn't like i read it in like you know the new york times or something it was like people or something but i read somewhere once that someone's favorite part about the hunger games was that none of the teenagers swore because why would they and i was on the floor because because i thought this had to be like an onion piece or something i thought it had to be fake like as a joke and i Mm reread it a few times and even got back up like okay i'm just missing a tone thing here right like i'm just being autistic here right like what am i missing no this person legitimately thought it was accurate that a bunch of teenagers who were trying to murder each other weren't gonna be fucking swearing and i was like so the hunger games is honestly a perfect encapsulation of the um our puritanical background influencing the way our ratings are done because we'll watch kids murder each other yeah and it's fine to have all these children murdering each other. Yeah. But no fucking nudity, no swearing, can't have that. Because that's what? where you draw the line. Can't have a bunch yeah, of kids exactly. saying it's shit okay and to... fuck because what? Yeah. But they that's, can shoot each other it's, in the it's chest. It's our puritanical background, Yeah, yeah. No, our country has some interesting concepts on pretty much everything. Um, anyway, yeah. swearing, yes. It's a fucking metaphor. Uh, it's stupid. he doesn't actually say yeah, fucking right. metaphor. The fact it's that he it's doesn't say it's a fucking metaphor. He would have said it's a fucking metaphor. Like, there was a whole thing that Star Trek uh, just recently... Because it's gone onto you know CBS Plus now because it's now because everybody's doing their plus now. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Star Trek used to be something Garbage. everyone can watch, and now you have to pay to watch Star Trek. Yay! Hence why I haven't seen a lot of Discovery. Channel. I haven't seen a lot of Discovery because I refuse to pay for another fucking channel just to see Star Trek. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not paying for a single channel. Like, you're not getting my money if you're for a single channel because no single channel airs enough stuff for it to be worth it. Yeah, anyway, whole point I'm getting at here is uh, yeah, yeah, they finally said fuck for the first time in star oh trek God. and everybody was so fucking divided over it and i'm still kind of divided over it because i think word. it's hysterical and i'm thinking it's like it's about fucking time they yeah. swore honestly but everyone else is like well they didn't need to do it and i'm like honestly the scene they did it in you're right it was entirely unnecessary if you're gonna finally drop the f-bomb it's really funny that that's the scene you chose to do it in it was remarkably it was remarkably poorly done for being such a big deal <laughs> It was, it was honestly, they finally got the go-ahead and they wanted it in there as soon as possible Literally. so they didn't lose the permission. Yeah, I That's guess. That's definitely what it was. Yeah, they were worried just, they were going to lose permission Yeah, again. they did it, they did it. It was, it was dumb. It was dumb. She, this, 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 something happens and this chick goes, that's so fucking cool. And then everybody kind of looks at her and then the person goes, it is fucking cool. And I'm kind of like, okay, that was totally worth the, the yeah, wait. Yeah, sounds that, that was really <laughs> worth the wait. Good job, guys. Yeah. You did it. 
This is where it should have been. But it's this is where it should have been. This would have been it. Thank you. You see entirely where I'm going here. I'm like bouncing in my chair because that's seriously. 100% the emotion of his delivery. Of, it's a yes. metaphor. He should have been saying it's a fucking. Dude, I, I was embodying his rage dance Shanks just now. And that said, is when he would have done it. He would have done it in the middle of a little rage dance. He would have yeah, looked absolutely. at Teal'c and been like, it's a his fucking metaphor, Teal'c. <laughs> yeah, because he's in the middle of a moment right now. And he's heightened. He's in arrow point. Jack's not fucking listening to him. And this him. is not the fucking time, Teal'c. So it's a fucking metaphor, Teal'c. This would have been the time. I'm weirdly incensed yet again that, that the show isn't swearing because it's one of yeah. the most human things to do. And it was on mm-hmm. Showtime, so they could have done it. it was just... it on Showtime on season Yep, four? I checked, I checked. To make sure I could be mad about this, I checked. They didn't move till season six. Wow. Yeah, I always think it was I think earlier. the reason I associate it with it is because i think that's when i became aware of the show yeah, guess, was around yeah. season six it's weird yeah, how incensed been, i am a about this metaphor but yeah. seriously that would have been the time because that's the right amount of emotion there absolutely 100 percent. you're not wrong i don't you're just swear wrong. because yeah. it's fun i swear because it gets the goddamn point across mm-hmm. uh but yeah so jackson sam and daniel through to tell hammond and even as they're walking up to go see Hammond. Daniel's trying to get Sam to like you you know this is weird and wrong, right? Like he's trying to get her to admit that Jack is acting weird. And Sam's like halfway there. She's like the mediator of this this uh marriage argument between Jack and and Daniel where she's like she definitely feels like there's something a little wrong, but she's also a military person and she still is trying she still is looking at this as a ooh this would be actually a really great benefit but yeah so so sam is just kind of like that middle ground and and daniel's trying to get her wholly onto his side but she's still military in the end you know yeah, uh, I, I do know to the point where it's annoying that earlier, once again, she epitomizes the person who forgets that she's military whenever she like, feels guilty for deaths that yeah. were entirely going to happen. I'm not saying they were necessary, yeah. but they were definitely not her fault. Like, I'm always yeah. that rational person who's like, dude, it's I have no problem not taking where... the, the blame for something, the responsibility mm-hmm. for something that I couldn't have avoided. And Yeah, it's one of those things where, yeah. like, early on they were really trying to set up this idea that SGC would feel like they owe these people. No, you're, you're completely right. I just hate yeah. it whenever they use Sam for the vehicle. No, I, cause I it's like, it. she's military. I hate how they conveniently yeah. forget it and then conveniently remember it whenever they need to. Well, here's to. the problem. It couldn't be Jack. Um, Teal probably isn't a good fit for that. Yeah. No. And Daniel, while he is the voice of reason in this episode... He is still an itty bit of a sociopath, and he would have been like us and been like, it's their fault for going through. Yeah, he would have been like, well, we didn't know. At the very least, he would have just been literally pragmatic about it. They didn't hear from the first person, and they sent more through. That's on them. Yeah, yeah. He knows that. So Sam was really the only option. Like, I get it. I get the frustration there, but Sam was really the only option. No, no, I just hate it because it's always her. It's always her. Because it's the woman. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Sam presents the. (laughs) I love it because Sam. Sam is, like, telling Hammond exactly what Jack told her to tell Hammond. And you see Daniel over her shoulder the whole time just, like, looming, like, tell him more. Tell him more, Sam. Tell him the whole story. Like, he's just like, if you don't say it, I'm going to. I'm going to interrupt you. Like, he's just, like, this looming force. He's an energizer bunny of rage, like he always is. Yes, it's so funny. But before he can, Hammond goes, at what price? Like, for the, for the hard water and everything. And I, D- Daniel just, like, <laughs> Daniel has, like, a religious experience with Hammond saying this. He goes, 
thank you for asking that question. Because he says, you know, for what? What are they going to do with it? And that's all Daniel wanted to know. Because he's like, okay, cool. They want this thing that can be used for weapons. Why aren't we asking what they're going to do with it? <laughs> and then Hammond does. And he's just, thank you, God. <laughs> yes. And it's actually in this scene um, that I noted. Because I, 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 I noticed it because last episode we talked about it. This is actually a good hair season for Daniel. It's next season that's bad. His, his uh, sideburns aren't. His sideburns match his hair right now. Like I said, they're coming for us, but they're, yeah, they're not here yet to chew on our soul. It's next season where they're bad. So yeah, and and in this, this is where Daniel starts going, okay, we've only gotten their side of the story. We don't know what's going on with the other side at all. Something that we usually ask, guys. Mm-hmm. And this is where I made the point, I'm like, I feel by the fourth season, SGC wouldn't be this naive. Yeah. But I get the basic tool of having the civilian argue the moral argument. I get the 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 point of this. Yeah. I just feel like by season four, Hammond wouldn't be this naive. Something else I was realizing is that this, uh, it doesn't have any sort of biblical element to it whatsoever, and it doesn't even follow this theme whatsoever. But speaking of like arrow points and stuff like mm-hmm. that, this kind of reminds me of like a, a Seven Deadly Sins type thing where like everyone's kind of personifying an extreme element. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So you got a lot of, you got a lot of envy going on, you got a lot of greed going on, and you got a lot of lust going on. And here it's not yeah. like pleasure of the flesh lust, it's, Hammond and et al. are really lustful for weaponry, and they're Mm -hmm. really blinded by that. And I appreciate the hell out of that element being focused on. Absolutely, yeah. Because even when Hammond says at what price or whatever, he he also brings up in an argument with Daniel. Apophis is still out there, you know. Yeah. When Daniel's like, okay, we have to talk about the moral side of this, and that's when Hammond immediately shoots back with Apophis is still out there. So that's like, you know, it's the civilian versus the military mindset. So they managed to, they they managed to kind of like talk it down to like, look, we'll bring a little bit over. But Hammond's like, okay, fine. Try and find out what's going on on the other side. Bring a little bit of hard water over. Just a little to be like, yeah, we're willing to play ball. But I'm giving you this opportunity to, to find out more. Like, he, you know, he's doing more of, like, the negotiation, like, meeting halfway. He's like, okay, we'll, we'll send them a little bit. Not enough to obviously do any, like, major destruction with a weapon. Just enough to be like, yeah, we're, we're, we're dealing with you guys. Don't worry about it. And you have this time to figure out what's going on. And Odo is obviously not happy about how little water they sent. It's just enough to power their shields. That's it. <laughs> the amount of water they say they need from SGC is insane. Insane. Yeah, I know they They're try like to back it up with like what the you visuals, gave us today every day. It's like I don't know how much shit you think you're giving us, but <laughs> I mean, to be fair, a lot. <laughs> but either yeah, way, but I think it also plays into the um, the superiority these people feel. Because when he states how much water he wants from them, he says it in this. You're obviously going to give us this because they think they're. They think they deserve it. <laughs> yeah, no, they think they're the master race. They think they're literally the inheritors of the earth. Or yeah. the whatever the fuck their planet's called. Uranda. They're the inheritors of the Uranda. So uh they're they're under attack again. They they get they have enough to like defend their shield, but that's it. And they get um Jack to get back into the pilot seat again. And this time the thing he was piloting collides with one of the enemy ships. And it gets close enough that he sees there's a person in that. And he was told with the last one that he was shooting down a drone. 
And so that's enough to start to wake him up from his drunken stupor. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> Where he comes out and he's like, you told me they were unmanned. She's like, no, I told you the recon drone was unmanned. I love that, honestly, because it plays directly into the relationship these two people have had the whole time. They've both been so far under the impression that they're not going to ask questions. Mm-hmm, they're exactly. literally just going to deal with exactly what they need to deal with, and that's it. We don't need to concern ourselves with your problems, and you don't need to concern yourself with ours. All you need to concern yourself with is what can I get from you? And that's been working yeah. out for them so far. Now he's breaking that agreement, that unspoken agreement, by asking fucking questions. Yeah, and they don't like that. Yeah, you notice that throughout this entire episode, every time people start asking questions, they do not fucking like it at all. Yeah, they always have, they always there's literally sidestep the question. There's one point that's about to happen where Daniel starts being very pointed about his questions, and Odo full-on turns away from Daniel and looks to Jack to basically be like, control him. <laughs> No, he just nopes out of that situation immediately. Yeah, which is a fair reaction to Daniel, to be honest. But um, <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. But yeah, so, so this is when, uh, during this discussion, uh, it's when Daniel starts, like, bringing up, like, the history. He's like, oh, why is this fight happening, blah, 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 blah. And he, he tries to not talk about it at all, but he, there's enough of SG-1 kind of being like, we want answers, dude. <laughs> that he gives, like, vague answers. Uh, and he, particularly, he brings up, like, oh, no, it, I think it's it's another toast or whatever. And he brings up, like, in honor of him or whatever. And the moment he does, you can see Teal's in, like, radar, inner radar is going, because uh, he's thinking of the gold. He's definitely thinking of the gold with the way that they're talking about Odo's father, his dead father, which is the him they were talking about. Uh-huh. So, as I've mentioned a few times, and as we've been calling him, this guy played Odo in Star Trek D Space Nine. Yeah. Fun fucking fact about Odo. He's a member of a species called the Changelings. The Changelings are also known as the Founders in a part of the uh, galaxy because due to the fact that they supposedly, according to their history, because we only have their word to use this episode's <laughs> dialogue, they were hunted, subjugated, and really terribly treated by solids because they were so different in the nature of the fact that they could literally assume any form. They took it upon themselves to never let that happen again and decided to become the rulers of the galaxy. They literally genetically engineered an entire species to work for them, then they genetically engineered another species to be soldiers for them and put that first genetically engineered species in charge of the second genetically engineered species. And then they spread like tentacles of doom through the rest of the galaxy, subjugating one planet after another and putting it under its specific ordained rule. Damn. That's the Dominion in Deep Space Nine. One of the worst enemies ever. They did such a fucking good job with their casting in this episode. I have been waiting the whole episode to say this because holy God. But here's the best part about it Odo turns against them. He's not part of it. They send their children out because they're fucking heartless. They send Mm -hmm. their children out. And they abandon them out in the galaxy because the whole point is that if they're picked up by somebody, they can learn from the inside out about them. And then eventually, because they're all programmed at a base level to want to return home, he, when he comes home, realizes, well, this is a shitty thing. I kind of like the people I come from. So no thank you. And becomes the, the you know, a good guy. Mm-hmm. He is just a good guy. He, wasn't, he didn't have yeah. to become one. He just doesn't become a bad guy. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. But that's, it was just, it's the best fucking thing that the guy who's against that master race ideology for the entirety of his show then guest stars on this one to play the exact opposite with his striking blue eyes the whole time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have to applaud the shit out of somebody. Seriously, you did a great job. Um, but yeah, and in this discussion, um, this is where, when they start, like, because they're obviously starting to slightly pull away from just blindly giving Odo, it's, I think this is when he brings up how much water he expects them to give. Yeah, she's like, that's like and when they're like, like 12 uh, metric tons of I don't know about water. that, my guy. He's like, oh, this is when he brings up the three dudes he sent to die on their iris and, like, tries to make them feel guilty for it. And it's like, that's not their fucking fault. Get the fuck out of here. What I do appreciate is that him using it as a weapon kind of makes everyone go, that's not our fault. <laughs> I do like how he does it, though, because it's really well written in that he masks oh, it he really it well. Subtly. Yeah, because he goes, they, he says well, how much the water they need. They say that's a lot, you know, and it's and you're totally not going to use it for anything bad. Oh, that's right. And we can't, we, we have oh, only yeah, you your have word. word. Word to use like, it. That's not that worth that much. He's like, we only well, have your word. We that only have didn't... your word that you didn't kill our three people. That they died on accident. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, I like how he masks it in a way that if it were somebody else in a different situation, it would totally be reasonable. That's the yeah, best kind of tyrant it's, it's is the smart right kind. Now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he's an intelligent bad guy. That's 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 the worst kind. He's the kind who knows what he's doing. Okay, it's actually so. Looking at my notes, it's definitely this scene, this dinner scene. Where uh, Jack is being so mean to his husband that I'm like, he has to be dosed. He has to be. (laughs) Especially because right after he delivers, like, a wildly, like, come on, Jack, what the hell? Like, Peter Deloise focuses on Daniel taking a drink. There has to be something in that booze. I do like the shot of it. I just, I, I didn't think about that aspect at all. I was just thinking about the fact that I didn't love the pointed directing of it. Where he's just so ticked in that moment. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's such a pointed drink where I wasn't, again, I wasn't thinking about the pointedness of it in the, like, layered aspect. I was uh-huh. just, I was just entertained on the face value of it. It works either way, honestly. Yeah. So after um, Jack and Daniel almost break up for good, um, Odo takes Jack aside because Jack is still his biggest supporter in this room. And he basically wants to ask him about Teal'c. And, um... Jack's like, oh yeah, he's Jaffa. He's fine. He's a part of our, he's a part of our member. He's a part of our group and everything. And, um, this guy basically says, oh, well, you know, he's not like us. Like, very pointed. And it's, it it could even sort of float under the radar because of his whole use of the term kindred all the time. Except for the fact that Jack remembers Nazis. And this is enough to wake Jack up, where he starts going, okay, there's something going on here that's not good. I have a happy dog who had to wander in and loop and come back out. He just (laughs) looped under my desk and walked out again. But yeah, so this was enough to wake Jack up, because he remembers the Nazis. Oops. He's like, oh, the term not like us is not great. Hey, Daniel, you were right. I was wrong. Start asking questions. But I love how when he basically tells Daniel, you were right. I was wrong. Daniel's like, oh, 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 cool. Okay. <laughs> cool. We're not fighting anymore? Was God. This, is this before or after the scene where he, uh, where Daniel talks to the uh, chick? This is about to happen. No, I, okay, I, I made a I point. I love of, that scene because you yeah, saw the text yeah. I sent you, right? Where it's, I, have I a love that writing. Paragraph of, no. of, okay. of a note for this cool, part because, because I, I, I also yeah. agreed with you. It's very well done. So he tells Daniel to go ask questions. 
Daniel goes to Ava <laughs> and starts, he, he starts doing it in his like intellectual, like, oh, I just want to know about yeah. like your culture. Who's our new enemy? Like, where, well, because like we've just who, signed up to help. enemy like and yeah. everything? Who's my and enemy she now? immediately goes, oh, we call them breeders, which is another warning word. <laughs> Warning terminology right there. And it, and also, as soon as she says that, he's kind of like, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, what? Okay. <laughs> I was expecting, like, you know, I said American. I was expecting you to say, like, Petrovian or something. Like, yeah. Jesus. But so what leads to him, the way he says, like, you know, who are they? To get, like, to give an example of what kind of answers he wants from her. He says, like, for an example, I'm American. My grandfather was Dutch. And this is where I have to go. Did we already lose our bet? Does this count as mentioning Nick? I don't know, because when I looked him up, it said he was Czech. And I don't think that Czech and Dutch are the same thing. I was thinking that meant I, his other grandfather was Dutch. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But also, uh, but also Stargate did cast two Ukrainians as Russians um, Oh, God, last you're right. Episode. They may not have cared if he was Czech or not. Yeah. I guess, I I mean, to be fair, we've only talked about one grandfather in the show, and it'd be, be kind of weird to not mention that. they didn't say his name. No, so they didn't say Nick. Count. Did we lose our bet? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Listeners, write in. Tell us if we lost our bet. Does this count as mentioning Nick? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, but yeah, so there's very pointed about the fact that he's mentioning a grandparent who is Dutch. And then right after he uses this as an example, this woman says the other people are breeders and that they, uh, basically, does, she starts talking about their genetic yeah. superiority. They say they breed indiscriminately without regard for their genetic purity. Mm-hmm. And I love how as soon as she says this, Daniel's face, like, changes. His face has, okay, my note right after this was Daniel like, oh no, this is racism. <laughs> Okay, so do you remember Spirits? Uh, yeah. The second recording, I think, where when yeah. we were talking about the word alien and how I was always so confused how people use it in such a dirty manner, and I'm just like, but it literally just means alien. And like, I had to point out And And as so I looked it up, and it said, like, you know, dirty, foreign, whatever, and I was like, why yeah. is that such a bad thing? And you went, because racism. And I went, oh, shit, I forgot that that's how... <laughs> Sometimes I racist like, work. Well, no, I I no, said I it then, I, and I'll say no, it now. I, yeah. I didn't forget about racism. I forgot that that's how, that language. Yeah, one of the ways ra racism manifests is literally in language, yeah, as exactly. in a mm -hmm. word will become something that I wouldn't use it today like that. I I, I think I said this back in uh, the spirits episode in our recording, and I'll say it again. The fact that you didn't immediately connect. The fact that alien was had had a negative connotation with racism is honestly a good thing because that means you'd never even considered that as like a viable thing because it's not reasonable, it's not viable, but it is unfortunately a fact of life. It also means I lived a very sheltered life, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. This is that moment for oh, Daniel. No, this is a racism. This <laughs> is a racism. Oh shit, that's right. That's how this works. His expression was perfect. I love that after, like, almost immediately after he has this face of, oh no, this is a racism, he runs back to Jack. He runs back to Jack and goes, they did it. I don't know how, but they started the war. It's them. It's them, Jack. It's them. I <laughs> love like, him. I don't have the facts, but I know they're evil. I know. I know. I love how he literally, that's exactly what it is. They found, I love Brad Wright so goddamn much. He found the perfect dialogue to convey without saying the childish words, they're evil. I know it. He yeah. says, they did it. They started it. I don't know how, but they did it. <laughs> yes. It's so 
so good. But what's great is what I also love about this is the framing is that like Daniel got it from the moral side, which makes sense. He's the civilian. He's been arguing the moral side this entire time. Sam got it from the science side because she started out because they were showing her like the technology that they were going to be using with the the heavy water. And she started asking about the pipes because she's like, didn't you say like these pipes go all the way up? Didn't you say the surface is poison? And she winds up figuring out that they're the ones who poisoned the surface. Yup. Because, because she also figures out, oh, you've had this base for a while. You had this base before the war started. Why? And then why is this base that was here before the war started, why do you have pipes going up to the surface? And she, basically at the same time that Daniel comes back with the moral answer of they're evil, they did it. I don't know how, but they did it. Sam comes up, comes up with the how. She's like... They had this base before the war started. They poisoned the surface to get rid of the other side. They're the ones responsible for ruining It was a preemptive strike. She even says, she looks over and yeah, goes, preemptive it was strike. preemptive strike. They knew what you were going to do. They tried to stop you. And mm -hmm. he just, he looks over and literally says, there's no time for that now. And it's like, it's, oh my God, <laughs> this is so, you know how Daniel went, oh no, it's a racism. You know what Sam went and did? She went, oh no, it's a genocide. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was both of them. <laughs> they both had it. Oh, no. Shit. Yes. Fuck. God damn it. Now I have to go. God. Fuck. And so she literally just starts edging around the table. I love how she yes. literally. It's like yes. it's like in real life. Every time somebody next to you does something weird and you do the comical, just kind of like, I'm just going to lean away from you. Like, what the fuck kind of thing. She's literally doing a physical repulsion. And she just goes, uh -huh. no, 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 no. As I literally physically remove myself from the situation of helping a genocide. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I love how these two sides, the moral and the actual factual side of it, come together and tell Jack what's been happening. They're being under attack again. And what I love is that, so you have the moral side, you have the, the factual side coming in and telling Jack what's up. Jack is the action side. Yeah. Jack takes the information he's just been given and goes, hey... You want some more people in those ships again to fire? And they're like, oh yeah, because they think they still have Jack under their sway. Because he made a point of when he figured out that there was something up, he didn't make it obvious that he was no longer on their side. He made it seem like he was just, oh yeah, you know, we just, we have to smooth, we have to get the water. It takes time, you know? Here's he, the he, thing. He's still mm -hmm. just, he's still angry. He was like angry, covetous, and now he's angry at... Just, like, in a selfish way. Like, you fucking fucked yeah. with me. So now he's just yeah, exactly. like, okay, now I'm going to be coldly determined to do something else. Exactly. So now Action Man Jack takes the information that both of his his uh, his wife and his husband have given him. He has such a good backup team. Right? His wife, his husband, and his, his right-hand man also gets in the, the fake ships with him. And they use their own ships against these guys to shoot down their own people. I love it. It's so good. What I love is when they figure out what's going on, they try and like pull guns on um, Sam and Daniel, but Sam uses her being good, uh, a good soldier and everything to just like unarm, get this guy off of him. And Daniel like grabs like a crowbar off of the table and whacks him. <laughs> and then he pulls out his gun and he's clearly not happy about having the gun in his hand, but he's like, I can pretend I know how to use this. I do love him. He's always just like, oh shit, right, gun? He always just holds so it with his whole body, but he's like always like, eh, with it. It's a completely in the background thing. Like, him 
hitting the guy with the crowbar was the scene. And then it's just a background of him pulling out his gun to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah fuck off. Right. I got but a gun. But, like, even in that little bit, he's kind of like, yeah, I, I know how to use this. You don't know I don't know how to use this. <laughs> so, yeah, Sam and Daniel pull out their guns to hold the people off from using them as hostage against Jack. Teal'c, who is the perfect right-hand man, senses that they were about to come for Jack and gets out of his own cockpit um his virtual cockpit and defends jack um and then jack uses the the fighter jet that he's in control of to crash it directly into the just uh, kamikazes it speaking of world war ii exactly crashes it into the the upper surface of this underground area which causes a whole bunch of destruction which sg1 uses as an escape and um odo tries to do the take me with you thing and there's a great great like framed per- peter delvis is a great director <laughs> great framed shot of like the gate behind jack and jack just dramatically posed in front of it, it is staring dramatic. at odo before turning away and leaving him there he's just like yeah no he just literally says no he even says don't follow us he tries to warn him yeah, exactly. Yeah, he says, like, if you follow us, you will die on the iris. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think this guy really had a lot of options. I think it was literally no, he's gonna death by crushing way, but... or death mm-hmm. by potential. You won't even know what happened, death. So, yeah, that and on, that that's the end of the episode is them walking through and leaving this guy to his crushing. That's the um, thing is, no, it's not because uh, as their thing is closing um, on the screen, Walter, can you, the screen detects a boop. A blip as he, he's it's implied oh, he, he follows. Oh, he does throw himself. Yeah, through. it's implied he follows. I didn't see that yeah, part. there's actually a bit of trivia on that, um, which I can say now or I can wait depending on how you want to do it. Uh, I do want to say just my I, I do have a a little bit of opinion on this ending. Yeah. Um, I get why it's here, but <sighs> it's it's a really destructive response to like I, I don't know I don't know what I wanted really, but like. It feels like we've had other instances of, like, and we'll have more in the future, where, like, there's two warring sides, and SG-1 has to be like, we can't pick sides. This doesn't have anything to do right. with Right, and then here they overtly do. This is very do. pointedly picking yeah, a no. side, and I know that they're Nazis right. and everything. Right, right, right. But there's a, there's a difference between not giving them the weapons I have and, like, a note where like, I say they're lucky they don't have a prime directive. Or killing all of yeah, them. No, they directly, no, they directly yeah. influence the evolution of okay, that planet. Okay, so you had the same feeling yeah, where you're like, no, I get where no, it's Nazis did. and we yeah, can't, no, we can't yeah, help no, no. them or anything like that, but they were going for a thing. but jeez. You killed all of them. Yeah, no, you were trying to prevent a genocide, and you also just kind of contributed to a genocide like it wasn't a bad thing per se depending on how you look at it but here's the thing that actually still feeds into the trivia bit real quick which might this might help your dilemma a bit i think that's i think i'm glad i started with that before we go into the trivia it might still be a flaw like this doesn't it's not a perfect episode it's a good episode. so this might still be a flaw but this thankfully doesn't directly like disregard what we just talked about it just does explain exactly why they did it Okay. So yeah. here's this. Um, as I've already directly referenced this, this bit of trivia a few times, it's kind of the main note of the trivia. Uh, but the person who wrote it did a great job. As always, I really, I just love this fan-made trivia thing because, again, I have to kind of trust a lot, but at the same time, it's accurate as far as I can tell. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> uh-huh. The Urandans show obvious resemblances through their actions and racial ideology to the Nazis during World War II. Huh. Shock. Their dependence, really? right. Their dependence on heavy water recalls the sabotage of heavy water shipments for the Nazi nuclear program, and the embattled bunker suggests the Führer bunker of 1945. Also, the Urandans have a clear technological advantage over the quote breeders. 
but show a severe lack of resources. This is also a clear allusion to World War II, as the Nazis were in a similar situation throughout the war. While they had an advantage in technology, they were unable to replenish their forces. Hence why that whole, like, had a bunch of babies thing was a thing. They thought, I I like that ideology where it's like, dude, okay, you're going to wait, you plan on waiting 16 to 18 years? Like, within what? Like, No, they were going to do the Ender's Gambit. They're going to do the Ender's Gambit. Gross. Further, Alar's wish to follow SG-1 back to safety so that he might work as a scientist for them parallels the allied use and forgiveness of Nazi scientists in the space race, known as Operation Paperclip. Also, the Irondans' racial purity and eugenics ideas and applications resemble Nazi German goals of racial purity, and the removal of all impurities through eugenics. Lastly, it is implied at the end that Alar did in fact follow SG-1 through the gate, and was then thus killed by the Iris on Earth. This parallels the disappearance of Nazi leader Adolf Hitler, who is believed to have committed suicide in a deep bunker during the Allied victory over Germany. But his body has, to this day, never been found. The breeders in this episode will likely have won their war against the Iranians due to SG-1's actions, but the body of Alar will never be found. So, the oh, whole damn. destructive element there is directly supposed to parallel the... Like, in olden days, they'd probably call it a sacking, because that's kind of what it was when the Allies yeah. swept yeah, into Berlin. Because mm-hmm. Berlin was the capital of the Nazi Reich regime. So when they yeah. got there, it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a lot of attacking. It was a lot of sweeping, I'm sure. I don't, th- I don't think we swept through and killed civilians, like, en masse or anything, but I also think that a lot of people fucking died. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That Nazi bunker shit was going down during that time. Everybody was either fleeing or committing suicide. As far as I know, he got married to Ava Braun the day before, and then they took, she, I think, killed herself. Supposedly, she committed suicide with, like, poison or something, and he shot himself, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Hence the joke, the only good thing that Adolf Hitler Hitler ever did was kill Adolf Hitler. (laughs) You know? That kind of thing. That's why they did that. It was supposed to be a direct allusion to the end of World War II. Yeah, like I said, like... Ultimately, if they're going to go so wildly against the Prime Directive for anybody, very obvious parallels of Nazis are the ones to do it for. But I still, it makes me think of that, the, the trolley problem, you know? It is. I don't have a problem with the trolley problem. Yeah, where the, where the answer to the trolley problem is if you don't do anything, then you're not responsible for yeah, any Yeah, I didn't do shit. I didn't put them there the and I didn't put the train there. The moment you make a there. choice. The moment I do something, now I'm directly responsible. Exactly. Yeah, and it's that. It's that whole thing. And, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I don't hate it, but I do have complicated feelings about how they, they very explicitly just, like, fucking kill all these people. Like, they, I think what makes it okay, in a way, mm-hmm. is the fact that, like, they don't, they don't purposely set out to destroy this whole base. It's just an escape. It's them getting out. It's them and again, they also hand. might be like drugged at this point, so anything undone true. under the influence is definitely yeah. Jack is definitely drunk. Yeah, like yeah, it's just yeah. I like I said, I don't have a, an actual like horrible issue with it. It's yeah, just it's something just the point of the matter. About. Yeah, yeah, but there's this this no, you're solution not wrong. There's wouldn't fly in there. Star Trek is. <laughs> Now, they benefit greatly from not having a prime directive here because they're yeah, allowed exactly. to do shit like this. They can mm-hmm. ponder it all they want, but they still don't have, like, there's like, yeah, some Geneva Convention rules, but as this show is also specified, our military doesn't, or government doesn't really seem to give a fuck about the rights of aliens because as long no. as they're not American citizens, then who gives a shit? Yeah. But yeah, so that's, I just, it's an interesting, I just, I, I just was like, oh, I don't know how to feel about them just killing all these people. <laughs> but yeah, so that is the end of the episode. <laughs> Little, let's close it on a moral quandary. 
But yeah, that is it for this episode. Are you a Jack or are you a Daniel in this I'm episode? I'm a Daniel. Let's just move yeah. on. We don't even need to ponder this. Yeah. I'm a Daniel. That's I said that at the beginning of this episode. I'm like, there's not going to be any shock. We're both no Daniel question. in this episode. We're both, we've, we were arguing the moral side this entire fucking time. We even are at the end when we're going, is it okay that Jack killed all these people? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> uh, no, we're Daniel. 100%. Yeah. We're both Daniel. There's no, there's no questioning that. Uh, nobody, uh, nobody in SG1 died. Uh, are you a Jack or are, are you a Jack? I'm sorry. I got Joaquin Phoenix ah, in this episode. Thumbs up. Well done. Absolutely. Had lots of problems, but we kind of seem to have explained them away. If not uh, verbatim, then at least headcanon wise. Yeah, I do feel like, okay, so some of them, some of the issues were just, it had to be sacrificed for the theme that you're getting across yeah. in this episode. Some of the issues I think came down to the stuff had to be cut out. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think they did a yank. I really, I, honestly, this, it feels oh, like yeah, a yank. Oh, yeah, the ATA thing? I absolutely feels think like a they yank. did a yank. If the it fact isn't, that then what the fuck, man? we both thought about the ATA gene in that scene in particular, yeah. it's gotta be. It's gotta be. It's gotta be a yank. That'll be the first question we ask Brad right? <laughs> if we ever see him. <laughs> I want to say it just like that. Was that a yank? And have them be like, what the fuck? Of all episodes for us to ask Brad right about, it would be this one. <laughs> so, uh, thumbs up. Thumbs do want to give Do we want to give Delaweez thumbs up? Like in the Hall of Fame, you mean? Yeah, Hall of Fame. You know, I, think I don't know. I just feel really like we're too liberal with it. Suggestions with his framing. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I, I, fuck it. Fuck it. Maybe it's just because of Odo. I mean, this might just be more credit to Odo than anything, but fuck it. Yeah. All right. So thumbs up all around on every side of things. Now we do have something to answer real quick, don't we? All right. So we got an email. Uh, we're not going to say who from because we don't know if people that send us stuff want us to this is on us or whatever um in the future if you guys yeah in the future if you guys want to write into us um especially if it's something that you think we're going to wind up talking about on the episode if you're okay with us say your name or a portion of your name just let us know because we you know we don't we don't want to make us we're just erring on the side of caution i'm paranoid as fuck let's just let's just call it what it is mel was down i was not I was like, this person might have wanted to be named. I don't know. I'm not letting it happen because I'm scared just in case I get paranoid. No, no, I get it. It's, um, but yeah, we got an email, uh, asking us about our opinions on Gamekeeper and specifically about, um, the choice in the memory that Jack is forced to relive in Gamekeeper, um, about how he says this is one of his most regretted, you know, past memory things redo moment it's one of his worst uh missions blah 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 blah. and they asked a couple of things about like why this was the one that was chosen uh they brought up the um the scuffed mission with his uh his old guy uh his old his old group member from well commando dude from the episode i'm never gonna remember his name it doesn't matter he's dead cromwell (laughs) Uh, they brought up that that mission, uh, brought up, obviously, Jack's son, um, or any of the really scuffed missions that happened with Stargate, Abydos, any of that stuff. Yeah, like, you know, Skata. Yeah, why were none of those the memories that, um, that he wound up reliving instead? And I had ideas when I first read this, and I wanted you to read it and come up with your own concept, and honestly, we basically came down to the same thing. Um, in essence yeah i i came in from the direction of i feel like the show already had jack tackle his regrets with his son in the crystal episode 
That was the entire point of that episode. He even had, like, the resolution with his wife. That, he addressed it. Obviously, it's still an issue. Like, it's never going to not be an issue for him. He lost his son. Right, like, it'll still not, be referenced again. He has referenced it since, and he will yeah. again. But I don't know if you can count it a full-on regret anymore. Because he, he confronted Well, in, in the, um, in the non-contested sort. Yeah, yeah, like, it's it's... He he might still want to redo it, but he's also at this point accepted it, and it's kind of exactly it's he now it's now it. kind of become like an absolute point in history, and you don't undo those; you just learn from them. Absolutely, yeah. So I think that's why the Charlie thing didn't happen. So that's my end of the Charlie, and your end of the Charlie. Yeah. So my end of the Charlie was that with you know all that said, which was kind of something that was in the back of my mind, was like, yeah, I guess Jack has already done that a bit. I, I was under the impression, first and foremost, though, that the gamekeeper had a very clear job, which was to stir the pot a bit for the stagnant lives that these poor folk were stuck in. And yeah, he had to entertain. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I may have a movie I go back to on a regular basis, but I do still need to watch new shit on a regular basis if I want to yeah. keep myself from going fully crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, any more fully crazy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess my interpretation was at the time that the reason why they were so vastly different is that he was going for different flavors. So in one case, he had a very emotional memory of a child losing his parents, which would be mm-hmm. deeply traumatic. Not that losing a child Absolutely. is not deeply no, traumatic, no, but no. when you add in the element of the fact that maybe this is not as deeply traumatic in a sense of the sharp loss is, has been dealt with and has been, you know, muted with that sort of, you know, uh, you know, resolution, I guess keep going back to that yeah. word, you know, with that sort of therapy or whatever, self-therapy mm-hmm. or otherwise. Daniel watching his parents die like that, I guess it's implied to me that he has not gotten over that. There is no therapy for that for him. This is still sharp. This is still shitty. This is still deeply traumatic and, and has not been dealt with. Yeah, so, well, there's also, I, I definitely keep going, but I do want to just yeah. in this point, there's also absolutely a difference in the way that a child processes grief and an adult processes exactly like i'm thinking distinctly of i don't know how old daniel is supposed to be in this scene but i remember um a, a few years ago when i was deeply studying psychology um i had this one class where they talked about the fact that if a child loses their parent before they're five it's always going to be a like a psychological emotional problem for them they can't process it correctly before them there you go so with that in mind i got the impression that the uh gamekeeper got a deeply traumatic flavor out of that and didn't necessarily need the redundancy of that with jack's memory and so went with the more tactical regret so this one's like regret but with adrenaline mixed in Mm mm-hmm i know it's not the fan favorite normally but you've seen it i love the sci-fi channel alice with uh, Kathy Bates in it, and uh, call them Oh, me. I love it. Yeah, with the, uh, you know, with the instant gratification flavor of emotions thing all distilled mm-hmm. as a potion. Yeah. It's kind of like that, I feel like. That's kind of, that was kind of my mental image, was more of like the drops yeah, of fair. flavor. So mm-hmm. you got this kind of tragic loss bottled up, and now you need regret with adrenaline, fast-paced, heart-pumping, fuck me, goddamn yeah, it, I need to redo me. this, mm-hmm. because otherwise men are good, men are gonna die, kind of thing. G.I. Joe. I don't know. But if you want a Channing Tatum fix, you know, you go for this. Yeah, there we go. Um, and bouncing off of that a little bit, the reason I think he didn't use, well, and you also brought up that, like, the reason they didn't use the black hole one is because they, they didn't have that story yet. 
you you answered your own question on that one a little bit. I agree with you in that, in that case. Of, I just think they hadn't really fleshed it out yet, so they just left it as a nothing, and they didn't reference something they didn't have yet. But I think specifically why he wouldn't have used any of the failed missions with the Stargate program is because they're using these these uh these dreams and everything to like keep these people tame basically like keep them from waking from, up and fucking up his gardening trying, yeah exactly if he shows them a memory that shows like space travel and the idea specifically the idea that there is a safe place out there you can go to because the whole point of gamekeeper was that you have to stay in here because the outside world's not safe and whether or not that's true, which it obviously wasn't true anymore in Gamekeeper, that was the whole point, even if their world wasn't safe to go out into, being shown memories of this place where you can go to another world that is safe, that's a little bit threatening to his program. And yet they still kind of did that by letting them go back to the Stargate, to the, the bunk. I guess he made a calculated risk there or something. Yeah. But yeah, and I totally see where you're going with there. I think that's why. Um, we... I, I liked that we more or less came to the same conclusions, just from different angles, um, which makes me feel good about our answers there. But yeah, that's that's our feelings on Gamekeeper. Obviously, we didn't write it. We're not the end-all be-alls. But if you're listening to us talk for two hours about this shit, then I guess you probably enjoy hearing our opinion sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so. I love it every time someone writes. Every time, every time somebody writes in, period, I am excited. But having a and question I can actually think about is awesome. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Especially for an episode that we both love. We love Gamekeeper. Yeah, so thank you. Um, feel free to write in again. Uh, if you do, let us know if you want us to give your name or anything. But yeah, that is it for this week. Uh, hopefully you can trim it down to be less than two hours long. <laughs> I don't know. I've been doing a pretty good job so far. Our deleted oh. scenes these days, I've gone, so here's the thing, I used to think everything we said was a value. I have since learned that is not true, and my editing has gotten a lot more choppy as a result. It's, it's a evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is it for this week. Next week, we are going to cover, uh, season four, episode three, Upgrades. Mm-hmm. And the summary for this episode. SG-1 is selected to test the effects of alien tech military wristbands on human wearers and soon find themselves blessed with spectacular strength and speed. But when they are sent on a mission utilizing these new abilities, they learn a shocking lesson about the downside of power. There's an exclamation mark there, which is horrible, but you know. (laughs) Well, I hate just about every single part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also really hate the use of the word blessed there. That's just a dumb choice of words. Uh, but yeah, that's next week. Oops. Love that when you hear something fall and you have no idea what it was. Yeah, right. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at itsmelnotlist or our podcast Twitter at pointoforiginpc. You can also email us at pointoforiginpc at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for joining us on our incursion through the iris, and until next time.